0: Welcome to Com's Cast, Life in Full Duplex, a podcast by ClearCom. I'm your host, Emily Shaw. What is full duplex, you ask?
1: Tell me what you had for breakfast and
2: don't stop.
0: Um, I had muesli. The inferior vena cava is important for blood flow. Okay, well, full duplex doesn't necessarily help when you're trying to tell someone about your breakfast. It's essential in critical communications. These are situations where people in different places need to be able to communicate in real time. Whether a team is putting on a live show, launching a rocket, or working inside of someone's heart, individuals need to be able to interrupt each other and be heard clearly the first time. And these kinds of critical communications are the raison d'etre of intercom. Or more specifically, what's called production or performance intercom, which is what ClearCom makes. ClearCom is an intercom company based in Alameda, California with offices all over the world. This year, they're celebrating their 50th anniversary. And in episode one, we're gonna look back on how ClearCom went from a few rock and roll nerds soldering belt packs in a frying pan to an international company boasting customers like Broadway, the Olympics, NASA, the White House, Google, and more. So let's jump in a little imaginary podcast time machine back to the Avalon Ballroom in 1960s San Francisco. The Avalon Ballroom was a music venue that saw the likes of The Grateful Dead, Jefferson Airplane, The Doors, and Janis Joplin. At the time, music volumes were getting really loud, and this presented a serious problem for the stage crew.
1: All right. One, two, three, four. I'm Ed Fitzgerald. I've been with Clearcom. I think I was born here. Somebody found me under a belt pack.
0: (laughs) Ed's the director of customer satisfaction at Clearcom, but he got his start as a salesman at the company back in 1978. He'll explain what the folks at the Avalon and similar venues were dealing with back in the 1960s.
1: Well, the only intercom that really existed at the time was the old mobile telephone type operator's headset, what what they call carbon-based.
0: This was the Ma Bell, a.k.a. Mother Bell, headset from Bell Communications.
1: Well, the frequency response was terrible. Uh, Frequency response would have been something like... And you're trying to understand what the person said. Okay, obviously, if you speak distinctly, I mean, uh, telephone operators used it, so it must have worked. Not in high noise. We're talking rock and roll. We're talking about levels that were... Well, put it this way: enough to go hard of hearing. People would uh, use hand signals and you know what have you uh, to try to get some information to the person that was running sound. You know, turn it down, turn it up. My mic's too low. Turn my mic up. Back in those days, nobody paid much attention to protecting your hearing. It was just turn it up, make it louder. Well, it got to the point where you couldn't understand what somebody said.
0: Now might be a good time to introduce two key characters in the story, Bob Cohen and Charlie Button. Both were core members of the music scene in San Francisco. Bob co-owned a production company called Family Dog Productions, with the father of the summer of love, Chet Helms. He was also effectively a co-owner of the Avalon Ballroom, where he mixed sound. Charlie was building amplifiers and mixing consoles, and doing custom work for musicians like Eric Clapton and Fleetwood Mac's Lindsey Buckingham. As the chief engineer at the Avalon, Charlie worked with Bob to build a new way to communicate in high noise. And perhaps unsurprisingly, it took a little trial and error before they had something in working order. Here's Charlie.
3: I constructed one piece, and it was not terribly successful, but it did succeed in blowing up a set of headphones while they were on somebody's head.
0: Okay, maybe not the best start. But after some trial and error, Charlie ultimately succeeded in building the very first distributed amplifier intercom system also known as a party line system. Unlike the telephone-like headsets that people had been using, this new system involved a portable intercom station worn at the hip, a belt pack, which carried audio and power through a microphone cable. This meant that people could plug a headset into the belt pack, and because of the power running through the cable, they could turn the volume up or down, they could see a call light flash to get their attention, they could hear their own voice, and they could engage in full duplex communication. The name PartyLine refers to the fact that everyone was talking and listening on one channel. But perhaps most important, the system delivered a unique contoured frequency response and a wide dynamic range that reduced distortion. Basically, it was tailored specifically to the human voice, and the clarity that emerged was really revolutionary. It also helped Bob and Charlie figure out what to name the company. Here's Ed.
1: It was literally... My God, I heard everything you said. In fact, quiet down, you're a little loud. Well, that put us on the map, so to speak. When they have trying to come up with a name for this, uh, it was Charlie Button who said, well, it's clear sound. Wow, this is pretty good, clear communications. Clear communications. And it was Bob Cohen that shortened it to, well, let's just call it clear Cob.
0: By the way, the production process for the first belt packs was pretty wild. Here's Charlie.
3: Carolyn made the PC boards in the bathroom.
0: This was Carolyn White, one of the early members of the team.
3: Uh, then we used her frying pan filled with solder to solder them. Set of tongs and you kinda of do this and he after you off the, <laughs> all soldered in Carolyn's frying pan.
0: Okay, beyond soldering belt packs in a frying pan and making circuit boards in a bathtub, when they started thinking about protecting their intellectual property, Bob and Charlie also went an unconventional route. They mixed together a brown compound and used it to cast the belt packs. But then one day...
3: We had them all cast in this brown thing, and we go, ah, that protects it. And then one day a guy came in from uh, McEwen Sound with his briefcase and uh, Bob, you think your thing is pretty secret, huh? I mean, yeah?
0: So Charlie remembers someone coming in from McEwen Sound, which is an AV company, and pulling x ray film out of his briefcase.
3: He opened up his briefcase, pulled out this beautiful x ray film, and it showed every part in exquisite detail. <laughs> And that's when we decided, oh, that's not the way. So we talked about patents for a bit.
0: Okay, casting the belt packs like this wasn't going to work. What about a patent?
3: But what really happened is we realized patents cost a lot of money, take a lot of time, and when you get done, what you've got is a license to hire a limousine full of lawyers to defend your patent. And we said, No, we're better off to just keep pushing on the gas pedal and watch the rear-view mirror. Which is exactly what we did.
0: Okay, for any listeners looking up x-ray machines online, I should clarify that as ClearCom's business matured over the years, its view of intellectual property protections evolved too. All right, back to the early days. What about quality assurance procedures? Well, I'll let Ed explain what he remembers.
1: You know how we used to test our belt packs? At that time, we were at 759 Harrison Street in San Francisco, and it struck us, wow, these belt packs that we, that we make, they're rugged. Now, here we are in this four-story building. Well, they're 25-foot floors. It's an old coffee warehouse. Four, four, that would be, four. no, no, it's 100 feet. So we used to take the belt packs and go up on the fire escape.
0: Hold on. There's something you should know about this building in particular. Its primary purpose was to hold up billboards, and this meant that it would sway in the wind.
1: And we'd look this way, and we'd look that way, make sure there's no cars coming. Of course, we'd have somebody down there, and we throw them and then Charlie or whomever would grab and bring them up and we would plug them in. Yeah, still works, can take the punishment.
0: These really weren't extreme measures.
1: The fact is, it was not uncommon at all when you strike a show that you would take the belt packs, for instance, from a follow spot up in the top of the facility and they would just throw them down to the stage. We knew how they would treat them. So we had to make sure that they could take the punishment.
0: In the next part of the show, we're gonna find out how ClearCom grew from the rock and roll scene into a huge range of different industries and contexts. And we're also gonna hear about how these influences shaped the product in really significant ways.
2: first 10 years or so of the business, that transmission of the business was really done through the bands.
0: This is Bob Boster, the president of ClearCom.
2: Because the bands all had these systems as part of their touring system. And they toured around and produced local concerts in other places other than the Bay Area using ClearCom systems that they had purchased from Charlie and Bob Cohen.
1: We were in the midst of dealing with kind of a phenomena. People were calling and saying things like, the Grateful Dead were here last night. Where do I get that headset that they were using? The customers, like uh, performing arts facilities uh, and and any location that does live music, they caught on and they said, wow, there's there's an intercom system out there that we could be using. So the phone was ringing and ringing and ringing and I had to rather quickly put together if you will, a a way or a means of moving that product through the market. And while doing this, we had to learn all of this. This was all new to us. Uh, You want us to book a rock and roll group? No problem. We can do that. You want us to figure out how to sell an intercom through various uh, distributors and or methods? All new.
0: ClearCom found its way into its first market outside of live performance kind of by accident.
1: I'll never forget the phone call I got one day from a TV station and he said, hey, what do you guys have in the way of television intercoms? And I kind of cupped the phone and I said to Bob and I said, this guy wants a television intercom, we're rock and roll. And he goes, I don't know what to tell him. Then the fella kind of overheard me. He said, well, hey, I was at a rock concert last night, and I was watching them up there on those follow spots. Well, think of a follow spot like a television camera. Duh. I said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we, we make that.
0: <laughs> Clearcom's roots in the rock scene led it into new markets in another unexpected way, too. Here's Bob Boster.
2: AV contractors, most of them, especially of a certain age, started off playing in bands and were first exposed to clearcom playing in bands so we've gotten into a number of business areas over the years through that connection of people coming from the live music background where they were playing in bands and then subsequently have had to like settle down and get a real job in live sound or audiovisual.
0: So, audiovisual contractors setting up systems in places like a museum or a hospital operating room would call ClearCom because it was what they were familiar with, and then they would kind of work out a creative solution for this new context over the phone. Ultimately, moving into new industries all over the world and then getting feedback from those customers has helped shape the nature of ClearCom's products in really important ways over time. Remember, the first system required a wire and had only one channel, so everyone could hear everything that was being said. Here said,
1: And then somebody came along and said, uh, well, you know, that's fine, but I don't want the lighting people in my ear. Uh, can't we get them out of my ear? So we had to come up with two channels. And then eventually somebody said, well, can't we do something about what happens if we have to page somebody down in a dressing room? So we had to come up with a third channel, then a fourth channel, and eventually we had um, an eight-channel intercom system. Well, you know, time marches on. Back in those days, it was all what we call analog. And then somebody said, well, we could do this in digital, and uh, why don't we put everything on a mic cable? Uh, Well, it's already on a mic cable. Yeah, but it's one channel per mic cable, and I have gobs of channels. What can I do? Enter digital. And that's when we found ourselves moving into the digital world um, and away from analog where you could do all kinds of magic things, like have many, many channels on uh, one line.
0: Over time, this kind of feedback led ClearCom to other developments too, like wireless and IP-based capabilities and interfaces that connect together different kinds of communication systems, like radio and phone lines. Also, various acquisitions over the years have helped ClearCom technologically, too. For example, when HM Electronics acquired ClearCom in 2010, ClearCom was able to benefit from HME's strengths in wireless technology and U.S. manufacturing. And that digital system Ed mentioned? It's called HelixNet. It essentially brought the whole party line concept full circle, moving from analog to digital roughly 40 years after the original invention. Coming up in episode two, we're going to explore how it could possibly make business sense to sell a product that lasts for decades, is virtually 50 years reverse compatible, and works with competitors' products.
2: Intercom is not sexy, right? It's required. It's needed. You absolutely need the thing to operate. But nobody ever got a promotion for putting in a better intercom system, but they sure as heck got fired if the intercom wasn't there when they needed it when something happened.
0: Thanks for listening to the first episode of CommsCast, Life in Full Duplex, by ClearCom. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on episode two. This episode was produced by myself, Emily Shaw, with technical assistance from George S. Rosenthal and music by Kai Engel, Apache Tomcat, Jazar, and Mystery Mammal. You can find out more by checking out the show notes and clearcom50.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.